0: Welcome to another episode of breakaway from the rat race and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Terry Painter He's the author of the the uh, fabulous book called the Encyclopedia of commercial real estate advice. Uh, he has also the founder of apartment loan store and business loan store. He has uh, two mortgage banking firms, uh, where he has closed hundreds of commercial real estate loans over the past 24 years. Uh, so Terry uh, has a lot of experience. And uh, he's going to share with us uh, his expertise on commercial and multifamily properties. Welcome to the show, Terry.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. It's good to be yeah. here.
0: So that's a pretty interesting book. Uh, this, it really covers kind of, uh, for my audience, I think this, what's really important is that we already have some, uh, some clients on Martel Turnkey that have they've built a little bit of a portfolio and then they want to kind of like, know what's the next step here? Do I keep adding? Yes, you can keep adding, but can I go into multifamily? Can I go into commercial? They want to explore a little bit more. Uh, so tell me more about, so your book is very interesting for that perspective, but tell me a little bit more about why you wrote the book and is this the right book for somebody that's a, a new, new to multifamily or new to commercial.
1: Okay. Well, actually, I wasn't planning on writing this book, but Wiley Publishers, they published the Dummies books. An editor called me, contacted me and asked me, they, they were looking for somebody to write this, this exact book. And with a more of a bent towards, uh, most of their books are very educational uh, towards newbies, exactly what we're talking about right now. And mm-hmm. anyway, so I thought about, you know, encyclopedia, they already, it was gonna be called the, encycl- the Commercial Real Estate Encyclopedia. But my thought was, okay, I think I'm the right person to write that book because of my experience working on every type of commercial real estate just about and just, you know, working on hundreds of deals. But I thought, how am I, how am I, gonna, I can't write a book that's boring. If you think about encyclopedia, uh, yeah. you know, that's like uh, not an exciting topic. So yeah. what I did is I, so they, they wanted it to be just an encyclopedia. What I did is I combined it. I decided to write a how-to book with an encyclopedia. And they love the idea. And I also what I did to make it not to make it a good read is I just throughout the book, it's really chuck full of examples from my clients, stories. Some of them have really made it. Some of them fell into pitfalls, pitfall, pitfalls that they had a hard time getting out of. And so, and also I've had quite a bit of experience like just teaching seminars to people on how to get into commercial real estate and how to finance commercial real estate. So, mm-hmm. so that's how that's how it started with me writing this book so
0: yeah well this is very yeah this is very interesting yeah because obviously when you see encyclopedia um and you're thinking oh my god this is going to be like a a series of definitions or something like that but yeah your book is is much more practical and it's filled with examples from uh your clients and your own experience uh, in commercial real estate so, um, exactly. so, so, yeah. So let's talk about kind of like that bridge. So I have a little bit of experience. Maybe I have no experience into uh, into real estate at all. And now I want to jump into multifamily or commercial real estate. So what what does that look like? What which direction should I go? Uh, should I go with what size of multifamily or apartment building should I go for? Should I go for in or, or even well, commercial? What should I do?
1: Yeah. What I'm going to do is just I'm going to start off by telling you a story that's just it still blows me away today. This happened in 2004. Uh, I got this call from a lady named Kelly Fabros who wanted to retire at the age of 32 from the LAPD uh, police force and she, uh, through uh, investing in real estate. And she calls me. She says, "Hey, Terry, I've just found this property in uh, Wichita, Kansas that." you know i want to buy and i said well how many units is it she said 100 uh, she said uh, 94 and i said well what's the purchase price she said uh, 68 million so i said okay well well, tell me like how much money do you have to invest and she she had like about 160,000 to invest and she also I, so i said well you know like what's your experience if you own a property this size she said well i have a rental you know that we rent and that's it so I said, I'm, well, I'm really sorry, but you know, you're really not qualified to buy this property. What you should do is, you know, find something that you could just step into, like maybe a fourplex. Go from a single-family home rental to a fourplex, but don't try to do 94 units at this time. You know, you're just not going to make it. She said, she said, well, you don't have to insult me, uh, please. She said, this is the property I want to get. This is the right one. And I said, I'm not trying to insult you, I'm just being practical. You only have like 2% to put down, and you're gonna need like 25%. She said, but well, Kelly had taken this course called the Maui Millionaires, where they actually train you how to raise capital from investors when you find a dynamite property. Well, the thing about Kelly is the reason she actually pulled this off. The reason she really the number one reason she pulled it off is she did not know she could not do it. So often. this is true for any entrepreneur, keep in mind that commercial real estate is a business, people get into it because they get excited about it. And they're driven by that excitement, and they don't know they can't do it. So for that reason, their attitude doesn't, they don't have these thoughts of, oh, what if, you know, everybody could tell I'm just winging it? What if I fail? You know, they're not, that's not where they're coming from. So Mm -hmm. Kelly, actually, she did raise an investor. And she Well, first of all, um, she brought in an investor from uh, you know an executive, Intel, her parents, and a few other people. And she had the down payment, so she had my attention. And then I gave her this really large due diligence list, and she knocked off 100% of it. Well, she did go on to being a multimillionaire because she invested in many more properties after this one, and mm-hmm. she came quite good at it. And yeah. what, you know, what really gets down to it, even if you don't have experience, um, you could get uh, like a lender's experience like myself just by finding a really good quality property. And that's how mm-hmm. to you do today. So yeah, but but for sure, if 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 you guys out there, if you already own some single family rentals or even just one, or you want to get into it, it's really the same thing. It's just that multifamily is commercial real estate. When it becomes five units or more, then you're in the commercial real estate arena. And now it gets more complicated. Just to get it's you know, just to get a a single family rental loan can be done, you know, by anybody who has probably um you'll just say a 680, 720 real you know, FICA score uh and some good motivation, you know, and a good property. Yeah. Yeah, But to get into commercial real estate you know, now now it's, now it's actually, now the income of the property is king. So mm-hmm. you have gotta start thinking in terms of finding properties that will cash flow yeah. the loan you want today, plus leave you some profit, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, the thing about getting into multifamily, let's just say if you moved from, um, let's say a portfolio of four properties, now you're going all over town, trying to do the maintenance, managing these properties and so on. Let's say if you moved up even to an eight or 12 unit property, well, now under one roof, now you have what we call economy of scale. Mm-hmm. Now what's going to happen is your maintenance costs are going to come down, uh, your management costs should come down a bit, and, um, and also just your time because you're now running a property that's all under one roof. Mm-hmm. And, and also your uh, appreciation on that property is going to also improve too does that make sense
0: yeah yeah and what i what i really like about the the commercial uh side of things the commercial real estate or multifamily, is that it's really driven by the net operating income and the cap rate i mean this is how you would get the value of the property and you can really by just kind of by improving on the net operating income you're automatically increasing the value of the property so it could be you're increasing rent, you're cutting down some of the uh, extraneous expenses by renovating uh, some old things or something like that. And just improving the property really adds, uh, adds value to the property, which is something that you don't see too much in this, on the single family rental, because on the single family rentals, the properties are evaluated by, with comparable sales. Um, so it doesn't matter that this house is making $5,000 a month in net cash flow, because the house beside it is only worth $100,000. This is what you're going to get. Uh, this is going to be the appraised value. So this is kind of like, the, the, for me, this is a, a defining uh, characteristic of, uh, of the commercial side, multifamily especially, compared to single family rental is that you can really increase the value of that property.
1: Right, yeah, and and also when you increase the value, the property value goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, if when you area, as long as you're able to increase rents over time, the property value will go up because, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, um, the sales comparison approach is king in a residential appraisal and in a uh, multifamily or commercial appraisal. Uh, the income approach is king. So they're really looking at it as a business. And so just taking a look at the property income. And so just getting started out of the gate, though, the thing that you've got to think about, you've got to stop just looking at properties that um, just that this is something I would like to live in. For sure, starting out, you should buy in a good and safe neighborhood. There's no Mm -hmm. question about that. You really want to lower your risks. In my book, in chapter one, I go Mm -hmm. through all the all this uh, quite a bit of material on how to lower your risk when you're getting started. But the most important thing is to not think about um, how good this property is gonna to look to your friends, because it's not like you're gonna be living there. But mm-hmm. you have to take a look at start looking at it from day one as a business. Yeah. You want it, and because properties are you know, so expensive today, it's not necessarily easy to find a property that is in a great neighborhood that's at a price that's gonna cash flow the loan you want. Mm-hmm. and. You know, and so for that reason, you—if you could find some that have some upsides where you could do some value adds—that's yeah. really what's going yeah. to get you to a place where you're going to make money in four or five years mm. um, on appreciation and also rental increases.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what does it take to get started? So now, now you—you you really have me intrigued and hooked on you know increasing value of a property, increasing the rent, and then I can. You know, so I, I think this is, uh, I'm sold on the idea. One, I'm in really interested in multifamily rental. So what is that, how do I know that I'm ready for that? What does it take to get to, to that level?
1: Hey, well, the most important thing is to realize that this is a business. And if you, as you, everybody knows that ex- people who have an experience in a line of work. Like if you're an auto mechanic and, and you decide you want to open up a shop Fixing other people's car, you know, just, and you've always worked for somebody else. Let's just say that's great. You have the experience. You can, you know, just translate that into owning your own business probably. But, but the thing that there's a lot of real estate gurus that will tell you getting into commercial real estate is easy. And if that was true, I guess anybody can do it. But the truth of it is, is that it's not easy. It costs a lot of money. But if you study the process, and, and my book will tell you how to do that. Um, it will then you actually can go into purchasing your first property intelligently but what you have to start what you need to start thinking about is uh whether this business is right for you it's not necessarily the easiest business to get into uh you know investing in multifamily properties let's say if you're just doing it for the money i mean you really have to have an you have to have an interest in real estate those are the people that are the most successful and you also need to know what your what your goals are. Like, are you, um, and what you really truly want. You need to center on, uh, in my book, I actually go through uh, like seven different criteria of what you need to identify to find a property. Like, let's just start out with what can you afford? You know, mm-hmm. what does the financing support? Um, you know, keep in mind that you're going to uh, probably have to put, Uh, At least 25% down on any commercial property today, probably more. And so that means you might have to raise an investor or partner with somebody if you don't have the cash right now. Now, if you find the good news is that if you find the property, it's going to be your deal. You know, so um, you also have to think about like what sort of cash on cash return do you want? What sort of you you know what can you live with now because if you're going to buy a property right now, you're not going to get a very good return on your investment probably for the first two years. But what you can do is raise rents, and you know by doing a few value adds, hopefully just cosmetic ones. And but you need to know like what value adds are you looking for when you're looking for a multifamily property today. Mm-hmm. So. I think
0: one of those, uh, also let's talk about time, the amount of time that you need. So obviously you need some, some, uh, you know, you need a little bit more money than a single family rental, uh, you know, 20, percent of a hundred thousand dollars is very different than, you know, 25% of like your, uh, your lady in Oklahoma, uh, or not Oklahoma, uh, Topeka, Kansas or something like that. I was like, of, of 25% of $68 million, it's a little bit different. The scale is very different in terms of, of that. So you have to be a little bit more resourceful on you know, finding the funds or having the funds available. But I think also a question of time, how much time does it need to, to get that off the ground?
1: Yeah, well, if you just think about, okay, so one of the things I wanna make really clear here, if you're excited and you're listening to the show, you probably have the enthusiasm and the excitement to do this. So, you know, I am i don't want to, what I don't want to do is discourage people from getting into this if they have some excitement, because that means you're going to stay up late at night, go onto LoopNet, which is the, the best international, I'm sorry, the best uh, national site for finding properties uh, in all 50 states, and you are to start searching for properties and educating yourself on, you know, how many units do you get, let's say, um, you know, in chicago in a good neighbor in chicago right now how many units do you get in your own backyard for the same price you know and so you have to so excitement and why to do this is really a good part of it and so just think so um but actually as far as time goes you have to realize that if you let's just say you have to have time and energy if you're working you know like i love what i do so at the end of the day it's hard for me to stop you know, I do get tired at times, but I wanna keep working. So if, you have that, yeah. if you're that type of person and you actually you know, have energy after you've worked all day to actually then look for properties and evaluate them, then this is great. But yeah. you have to have, but keep in mind that it's gonna take quite a bit of time. Um, starting with, just as I mentioned, just finding the right property, which is, which is, which is a daunting task today because it's yeah. still at such a seller's market. Secondly, evaluating the financials of the property um, and then, and also the other thing too is that because it's a seller's market, you know buyers are being really screened right now very tightly. So, um, so I have some, you know, I can go, I could go into that. But as far as getting started, mm-hmm. uh, to, in today's market, it really makes sense to get a mentor who could join with you who has the experience. Now, what you're going to do is find the right property. You're going to find a property that. Um, has these three characteristics. Number one, it's in a good location. Number two, it can be just by let's just say doing some cosmetic upgrades. Yeah. You know, even though it might not be making a ton of money to very much money today, but but let's just say you just have to change the floor coverings of the units, uh, the window coverings, maybe paint the cabinets, uh, and paint the exterior of the building that you could actually raise the rent. So. What you want to do is find the right properties in a safe neighborhood, then get um, somebody to mentor you who can actually qualify for the financing because they have the experience uh, and also impress the, the real estate brokers that they have what it takes to get a loan and also run this property. You also want to uh, have your property management company lined up. Uh, it's really going to be tough where you can get certainly get by with managing one to four the four units yourself. You know, lenders are going to want you to probably have professional property management if you don't have the you know, experience running, you know, the number of units that you that you want to purchase. So, uh, but but anyway. But then you want to actually be able to, uh, just like you want to, you need to actually rehearse your pitch to lenders and investors if you're going to raise investors. And this is called faking until you make it. You've got to be pretty good at doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, for us, I mean, something that was uh, when we talk about value add and all of that. I mean, that's when we bought our apartment buildings. We have a few in uh, in Memphis, and then yeah, we it was pretty interesting because the buyer was he was managing the property himself. Uh, it, one of them was like a twenty-unit apartment building, and then when we bought the property, he was telling us basically we were talking about potentially investing in that doing value add, changing the floors, uh, that kind of stuff. And he kept telling us that, Oh, this like, you know, that's worthless. You're never going to be able to increase the rent here. And just like, you know, good, good sales job, (laughs) but he was, uh, it was pretty interesting, but we were convinced uh, because we had invested in Memphis for, uh, for a few years, we were very convinced that the what rent we could get at that particular location. We were very familiar with what was going on, what new development yeah. were coming up, and then we knew that we could we could easily add like uh, double, uh, close to double the rent uh, by doing uh, the the appropriate wow. renovation. That's a huge yeah. upside. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what we yeah, yeah we basically yeah. moved the rents was- from 500 to 850 dollars a month mm-hmm. on these properties. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, But the local guy, the guy that, that was yeah, owning the property never saw the value in the pro- the piece of property that he owned.
1: That, that, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like if you could find a property from somebody who's just all worn out and they just haven't raised the rents in a long time mm-hmm. because they just have been emotionally attached to their tenants too. And maybe they're, they're yeah. you know, once again, you've got to look at this as a business. And if you come in, you know, when, when a new owner comes in, they don't have that emotional attachment and they're willing to raise rents or replace tenants uh, which isn't very nice i guess but it is but it's something that you have to be willing to do you know if you think about yeah. the risk you're taking yeah. the, the other thing that you brought up eric is just you know you bought in your own backyard and that's really important because you can, it's really difficult to assess the value of a property when you're buying in another state
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you could well be, we, we it was in so another state be, i mean
0: i'm in la by the way but and we so no, but we invest but, frequently in memphis though We know very, we're very familiar with the Memphis market.
1: Okay. So you, and that's important to, to when you're starting out to invest in a market that you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. yeah, You're also going to find the best real, that's what I'm saying. You could also find real estate professionals that uh, you could develop an ongoing relationship with. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel the next time. You could go ahead and use this, you know, the same uh, buyer's real estate broker to represent you. You know the mm-hmm. same real estate attorney, same property management. You know, and you and you also you really you're going to find out that you're going to really want to buy where you have real where you have really a uh, really good quality property management. You know that's that's the key. Yeah. So.
0: <clears throat> so that that's very good. Uh, in terms of uh, so we talk about kind of what it takes to get started. Is is this different? Like when you basically you identify the property now. This is very I'm, this is a daunting daunting task right now. The market is just incredible. We haven't been able to find uh, the properties, the right properties for us. Um, but for the person that this is their first property, did we, did we touch, was there any, anything we need to talk about around qualifying, making sure that you are actually gonna be able to qualify for the mortgage for your property? Did we touch on these?
1: Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's a really important thing. Uh, so let's just say that you've been very fortunate and you have been able to save a really substantial down payment so that you could buy like a 10 or 12-unit property to get started in. The what? Okay, so um, what you really need to do is, uh, is probably contact a commercial mortgage broker to get started as far as financing goes because they're very familiar with, they have lots of different programs. And um and they can actually point you in the right direction as to what you're going to qualify for otherwise if you just call um, let's like just to say you call your bank and you get uh, connected to a commercial loan officer well what you need to do is know ahead of time what are they going to be looking for to qualify you in my book i have a section on uh, two chapters on financing and one goes through the seven pre-approvals for a commercial loan where people um, uh, where just buying a residential investment property, like a single family rental, you really only have two pre qualifications. One is, uh, does, as a borrower, do you qualify? Do you have the, you know, financially, do you have the uh, debt to income ratio to make this work? And then you also have, you, know, you think the income, I'm sorry, you have the sales comparison approach and the appraisal. And so, um, so this really, you know, whether, you know, it's really the, Quality of the property, so to speak, and the quality of the borrower—that's two. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're going, so so it's really important to not waste your time or the lender's time, and you do need to know whether you're going to qualify for a loan. And what we're looking at as far as pre-qualifications is that since the Great Recession, actually, it used to be, and we've talked about this, Eric, that the income of the income of the property was king when you're Mm -hmm. applying for a commercial loan. after that, the borrower became number one. Why? Because mm-hmm. it was because of the because a, a borrower is not being strong enough that the Great Recession happened. Mostly, you know, in, in buying, uh, sing, you know, single family properties. But so uh, now it's it's just it's just a lot more stringent as far as the qualifications for the borrower. Like you need like a you know probably a, a six eighty credit score or above. Uh, and you need you need to be fairly strong financially. Okay, but then we have to, we have to, we have the location of the property. You know, uh, community banks and credit unions have to lend prefer lending in their own backyard. Uh, they're also easier to qualify for because they don't have this really daunting uh, net worth to loan ratio, or mm-hmm. require you to have a ton of cash when the when the property closes left over. Uh, but then you but then when we take a look at the income of the property. Uh, you, you need to know, uh, you know, you, you know, you need to know whether this property is going to cash flow the loan that 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 you uh, want uh, mm-hmm. based upon the you know the, the underwriting guidelines for that loan. Yeah. And so, you, so what you're going to be basically yeah. doing is calling. You could call. You could start with your bank and just find, ask them some questions, interview them, find out what credit score do you need uh what experience do you need you know yeah. how much money do you need to put down and so on and then so you're going to need uh to know on these seven pre-qualifications uh also the condition of the property is one uh that's really hard to know when you first meet a property you know it's just like uh, online dating you know you might not know that the person you're meeting even though they might have the right appearance that you like you might not know that they're stone broke and they're looking uh, for a sugar daddy or a sugar mama, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so you really have to consider uh, when you, you know, you really need to know that, I mean, you're going to actually really come across as professional when you ask uh, a lender, you know, what, what, what does it take for me to qualify in these seven pre-qualification areas?
0: Mm -hmm. So the other thing to that, uh, I'll give, go ahead. Nope. Oh, so the other thing too that was uh, people need to be aware of is that the terms are is one thing, right? So there's, uh, you know, this is, let's say you qualified for the loan and all of that. But as they go through, uh, so you have to go through your due diligence, knowing what the property looks like, and you have to be there on site. So if you're investing out of state, you need to go and fly them. If you're working full time, that means taking a couple of days off to fly to wherever to do the be there for the due diligence so that you can see see what's going on unless you really trust the people that are on the ground so that's one thing but the bank is also doing their own kind of like due diligence and um, every once in a while they would put clauses in in their uh, in their loans uh, requiring you to do some repairs and they would keep money in escrow in order to uh, for you to make sure that you are effectuing these these repairs so it could be I don't know, if you have a boiler or if you have the roof or that uh, is damaged and stuff like that, they wouldn't want, in order yeah. to force you to do these repairs, it's, they were gonna put, keep money in escrow.
1: Yeah, that's called replacement reserves. And mm-hmm. as a mortgage banking firm, we, we have uh, the, a lot of our loans, You know, you know, know, we do Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, CNBS, which is commercial mix, mortgage-backed security loans. And all of those four programs I just mentioned on larger loans do require quite a, f- they quite often do require require replacement reserves. But if you're just getting started, you know, actually going to a bank or credit union, it's going to be easier to get started there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Mac does not require experience, but Fannie Mae does. Uh, yeah. CMBS loans uh, require experience. Uh, so, uh, but so you're not going to, but but that does bring up something else is that you don't really this is a business and you know that uh, one of my firms is called Business Loan Store and mm-hmm. we've done hundreds of, of commercial I and mean, business loans uh, many of them with commercial real estate with them and the number one reasons reason that businesses fails that they can't get through a rough time, let's say like COVID, like the pandemic we just are going through or have gone through because they don't have any working capital. So that's actually why, as Eric has mentioned, on these more sophisticated loan programs, they want you; they actually mandate that you put a chunk of cash aside for repairs and maintenance mm-hmm. and that's your money and if let's say if a hot water heater breaks down you could you you know you have to replace it and then you take and then the lender will reimburse you out of that fund but you don't have to worry about that with banks and credit unions and um and private money mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly readily available right now so yeah um, but you do want to have you do really want the, the largest the greatest risk when investing uh in any business and commercial real estate multifamily property ownership is a business is not having your rainy day fund or working capital. Yeah. So yeah. just keep that in mind. You don't want to, if you just have, uh, all my clients that failed during the great recession, just the one, you know, it's because every time they got some extra capital, they bought another property with it. Yeah. The ones that made it through, uh, are the ones that actually had cash, you know, always had a chunk of cash You know, to make it through a difficult time. Yeah.
0: So, yeah yeah i agree i mean yeah and that's was that could be kind of like even though you have your 25 percent down sometimes you may have to come up with even more money at the table uh to cover these replacement uh escrow uh escrow accounts so that's that's something else to think about then you may have to find another investor to just uh, fund that um or be creative with uh with the seller or something like that um so this is all very good information, Terry. Let's talk about the the market. How do you see the market? We talked about how the market was, uh, you know, very very seller focused right now, and um, so let, let's compare. Like I was thinking of comparing kind of like the the multifamily, maybe the low the low sixty units, uh, maybe low forty units, compared to to the very large uh, multifamily, the the two hundred unit apartment building buildings. Uh, let's let's compare these two right any do you see any any difference in these two types of uh, apartment buildings between the, the kind of like the smallish one medium-sized one and the, the massive one
1: yeah, yeah well here, here's the thing is that this is in just about all 50 states just as home prices have really soared in value commercial properties have as well and the problem with that, I'm kind of like changing the subject just slightly, but I'll get into yeah. we'll get into the size of the property in just a moment. So, if the the problem with buying a commercial property today is that it's going to be overpriced, and especially multifamily properties, if if it's one of the properties that is really you know gone through a lot of failures recently, like office buildings, a lot of retail centers, and and hotel properties. Um, then you could probably, you might be able to get something for a fair price with a good return, but otherwise, we're looking at multifamily today. Almost all properties are overpriced. That means that the seller is actually going to be uh, taking most of your income for the first couple of years because they, because the return on investment is not going to give you a very good cash on cash return for the, until mm-hmm. you could raise rents. So, but for sure, so it's, so we start taking a look at uh, like right now we have a client. That has made an offer, a $47 million offer uh, on uh, like uh, like a 200, 280 student housing project. Okay, that's mm-hmm. at one end. That's like an institutional grade. So, on really large properties or even properties that are um, valued at over 20 million, let's say, we mostly have institutional buyers like REITs, yeah. uh, real yeah. estate investment trusts have all this money sitting there, and they, they're not making any money for their investors by letting it sit there. So they'll buy a property at a very very expensive price today because the return that they do get is better than nothing. But if you're just starting out, for instance, uh, that's not going to be where you're coming from. And, and so what I'd like to do is compare, is take a look at comparing somebody who's buying a 60-unit property today, uh, which in some locations uh, is going to be, Uh, over $10 million, and in other locations, it's certainly gonna be over $6 million. So, and then compare that to uh, somebody who's just getting started, who's buying, let's say 12 units. And um, the difference is that the twelve, the smaller property is actually going to be going at more per unit. We're not, Mm -hmm. we generally don't see these large properties at going at two to 300, just say two to $300 per unit. Yeah. Uh, what you want to take a look at is replacement costs and let's just say today in many locations it's going to cost you it's going to cost the uh it's going to cost maybe close to 200 thousand to build uh, a one or two bedroom apartment in a lot of locations and so but and that shows you that building actually developing it's it's a whole nother uh Ball game, and that's, go, I go into great detail in my, in my book on how to get started in that. But developing is really where it's at because you are gonna make a profit because mm-hmm. it costs much less to build a property, a, a multifamily property than what they're selling for today. So, but there is a difference in price per unit. Uh, we don't see these really astronomical prices per unit on really large properties. You know, yeah, on me- okay. what we call mega properties yeah. that are you know priced at over 20 million.
0: What we, what I noticed is that or what I think I, I'm how I'm seeing things is that the, the very large uh, apartment buildings, you get a lot of investors, uh, in institutional money, like the REITs, Wall Street, the uh, pension funds they invest in these things and then they yeah they they have all this money they have millions and millions of dollars are just sitting there and they are forced by their charter they are forced to invest it into certain vehicles so this is going to put the money in there they don't care how much it costs they don't have they don't live off of that right and then you have this yep
1: excuse me for interrupting, but, but also with they, they're they so experienced and they mm-hmm. know if they buy in a certain area that no matter what, uh, that the property value is gonna go up substantially in five years. And so at that point, and so over time, uh, they're going to raise rents and and maybe make some improvements, but they have, they have a tendency to buy primarily A and B quality properties, yeah. which are newer properties that don't need much work. And uh, but they know that they're going to make most of their money from appreciation over time and so
0: yeah uh, it's and then when on the smaller side then i have uh, like i have the these properties on the 20 units uh, 40 units getting a little bit difficult but below 20 units you can find still people that are the owner managed they're self-managed and then they get tired. They're kind of like done, done with that. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, like they already know the tenants and all that kind of stuff. And you have a, you could potentially have a, a little bit of an edge there and be able to talk them into selling their properties.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, and also of course, if you can find, you know, if you could find a property, they're really hard to find today because there's just aren't enough properties on the market. But if you could find a property with, you know, owner carry financing, sometimes these older, worn out sellers, you know, they have to sell for health reasons. Uh, sometimes the, somebody's died, and they there's an opportunity there, and the heirs want to sell the property, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't really have the energy or the know-how to run it. So, uh, but but, uh, but anyway, but getting back to, but if the owner is just uh, worn out, you know. That's that's an opportunity. Sometimes, quite often, to get seller carry financing, and uh, and those are great opportunities. You're going to be paying more for the property, probably, but uh, you know, but but still, you could get your foot in the door that way
0: all right so any uh like where's the hot spot right now in uh, in multifamily and by hotspot, like a good area for me to invest for uh, it could be a, a specific uh geography it could be a special kind of uh of apartment building special size or any special characteristic of the building where it's a good opportunity for me to buy
1: okay so in this market, this is kind of like this particular. The answer I'm going to give you is kind of kind of like contradictory, and it's kind of like a double-edged sword from the standpoint that it's quite. If you're if you're new to uh, multifamily investment, uh, you really need to really look in your own backyard just for safety purposes. However, there's one caveat on that, and that's if you have really outstanding property management and you're able to go visit the property out of state quite often, then you know, you can mitigate that risk, but, but, but otherwise, uh, surprisingly there's, um, you know, there's still like, uh, Greenville, North Carolina is a great, you know, property values are are lower there. You could get quite a few units for the price. Mm-hmm. It used to be that Dallas Fort Worth was that way, but now property, now values are, there's just yeah. not enough properties in the value on the market. And, and those values are going up, you know, a uh, little rock, Arkansas, you know, yeah, yeah. property values are still yeah. low, much lower, but yeah. you know, that's just it, you know, if you live like, let's say, uh, in Los Angeles, you know, it's gonna be very, almost unaffordable or San Diego or Seattle or where or, yeah. or I'm based in Portland, it's almost prohibitive to buy properties at the prices today. And so, but, so you have to be in a position to invest in property today for other reasons. And that's mm-hmm. and that's that you. And this is going off on a tangent, but that's because you need the depreciation. Maybe you have a lot of income from your jobs, um, and you you know you have um, you know income on your jobs. You have too much income. And you need it, you know a tax shelter, uh, and then you can wait it out until the property goes up in value along with rents in four or five years. Yeah. So, um, So I'd like to just interject and tell a story about along those lines. Yes. And um, in in 2018, I had a client that was a previous client. And she she also, she was, I can't say overly wealthy, but she was pretty strong financially. And her name is Tara. And she found this property uh, in Lincoln Park, Chicago, uh, near the zoo. I grew up near there. And I love that neighborhood. And she decided that she was going to buy this property at a five and a quarter cap. That just means in 2018, for a property that was built in the 1940s, was just too, the price was just too high, and probably you know the roost needed repair and so on. There's the property needed work. She was buying this prop. She was wanted to buy this property pretty much at the same price that newer properties that didn't need hardly any work were going for. Her. Yeah. Okay. So I just said, Tara, please don't do this. This is not a great idea, you know. And and plus, she had not done enough homework on comparable rents. And her realtor said, well, if you make these improvements to the property, uh, so she would, you know, you could actually raise the rents twenty percent. But she was going to buy this property and put about um, seven hundred thousand into renovating it over a period of a year. And but what happened? So. So anyway, just to cut to the chase here, because she had other income and she could wait, she actually um, her first year she only made about a two percent cash on cash return, uh, which is really terrible. Her second year, a four and a half percent cash on cash return, because now she's getting better rents. But yeah. you know, and i have so, to so not it. that great, yeah. But, but I'm gonna tell you that that I just talked to her a couple of months ago, and now that now property values have literally gone through the roof in that neighborhood. And she's over doubled her investment, her cash mm-hmm. investment. Mm-hmm. So, and it's and it's still going up. So yeah, she yeah. hasn't made much. Really she hasn't not made much on net income mm-hmm. from the property, but she she could get by. But now she's yeah. making out great. Her if that if, yeah. that, if you fit that, if you fit that, you know those. You know, if you're that type of person in that situation, then you can actually, you know, buy prices. You can't. you could buy today's prices and still come out a winner. Mm-hmm. But you need to know what you're doing.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: So there, there
0: you go. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, uh, Terry. It was pleasure. Uh, let before we wrap up, uh, anything you want to add uh, to our any any nuggets of uh, knowledge or secrets that you want to share with our audience?
1: Well, I would say uh, the number one advice that I always give people who are just getting started is to be cautious. Uh, if you really fall head, or, head over heels for a property, where this has got, because you like like its looks, it's just like meeting somebody when you're dating for the first time. You've got yeah. to get to know them. So you've got, the most important thing is to really know what you're buying. If you're going to be paying too much for a property today, as we, we went gone over several times, then you need to know what your strategy is. And you can't, you can't for instance, you really, it's really risky um, also, second, besides just falling in love with the property because of its looks, um, you need to actually actually take the time to do your due diligence yeah. and uh, get the actual property financials. Don't go by just what the listing agent is telling you. And today, properties are being sold more based on uh, pro forma, based upon their potential than their actual. And when mm-hmm. I say to my clients, I said, well, let's say if this was a, a tire store, would you, and you were gonna be selling tires now, buying an existing business, would you buy it based upon its potential income? heck no, you're going to buy it based upon its, inco- its net income today. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. hard to do in this market. So, yeah, that's right. So be careful. Just know that if you're going to be buying a, a property based on its potential, you need to know what your value add strategies are and what your chances are of achieving that mm-hmm. those value adds within a time frame that's not going to make you go broke
0: yeah. while
1: doing so. So. Yeah.
0: Well, well, thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And again, I'm going to put in the show note, obviously, a link to your book, The Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice. Um, So again, don't get focused on the encyclopedia. This this book is uh, full of stories and very practical advice from uh, Terry, his clients and his experience that he's sharing with us. So thank you, Terry. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to break away from the rat race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at break away from the rat race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.